podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This show is brought to you in association with Labbrooks for all your betting needs. With a new site design and great prices, it's our preferred bookie. New members can get a free match bet up to £50 when you sign up and use the code LAD50. Check on site for details at labbrooks.com. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. This is, of course, the voice of sidekick Josh because presenter Boyd is at the premiere of Jack Whitehall's Bad Education film. But here on GCSE Result Days, we've got three grade A guests. We've got sidekick Ollie Shorts today. Ollie, how are you? I'm very good, Josh. Great to be here. Not too many grade A's back in the day. How many years ago? 12 years ago now, GCSEs? Was it 12? I mean, I have no idea. Well, you, we're the same age, so I'm assuming we're 28 now, so we would have been 16, 12 years. Crazy. Time flies, eh? Time flies. Charles, do you remember GCSE result days? Charles Nuki Burden's with us. I do. I was the first um, year of GCSEs. No way. And I had them read to me. I failed. I took seven and I failed six of them. And looking back now, I actually quite admire the woman who read them down the phone to me because when it was You had F, them on the phone? Yeah. When it was F, she said F for fail, which I do think <laughs> was absolute <laughs> class. Amazing. So you you said- know, it was E for this, D for that. Chemistry, yeah, that- chemistry F for fail. I was like... Well, you're a journalist now. You, English was amongst Yeah, them? English was the only one that I passed. Yeah, I'm a journalist. I failed six GCSEs. It's, it's the same thing. Amazing. I failed six exams, slash, I'm a journalist. It's conveying the same elements of my intellectual failure. Yeah, but now, when do you put your GCSE results in your CV? Do you ever... I think you get... No, I think the idea no. is you, you move on, and you, you get A-levels, which replace them, and then if you go get a degree, and once you've got a job, it doesn't really matter anymore. I just say I do it. this podcast. Yeah. That's all I've got. Yeah, that's what I've got. Yeah. Uh, our final guest was uh, East Lower on Twitter. It's Jim. Jim, GCSE results. So is, that, is that good memories? O-levels, maybe? Well, Am thanks, I... thanks for making me feel like a complete fossil. Okay. I did the very last year of O-levels. Oh, so, wow. um, yeah. And um, I, I can just blame old age for not remembering any of the results, but that's not true. I think I got 1A and the rest just bog standard. Okay. Well, Josh, how are you? My GCSE results, just... Like, all fine, I think. I didn't get a single A star, which in my family was uh, a blow. I've got two older sisters who went to Oxford and Cambridge, and then there was me. So uh, I've never really academically lived up to my siblings, but uh, thanks for bringing it up, Ollie. Exactly what I needed. It was been a traumatic week, so I also got rid of my first car this week as well. It got scrapped. Many memories. My first car has been memories. a big blow. Many memories of going out to Arsenal games together up and down the country. Indeed. Invariably, I always tried not to drive. And then what would happen is once we got to about 19 or 20, because I had the worst car everyone would sacrifice like the fact that they'd rather that they drove and didn't have to go in my car which was great so thank you Ollie for all the years you've driven but I will have a new car soon and then we I will I will pay you back for those lifts anyway let's look back to the game against Crystal Palace it feels a long time ago now four days have passed a victory for Arsenal much needed victory we were all in different places watching this game I went Chaz watched it on telly Ollie watched most of it but then had a wedding to go to 
and Jim, we'll start with you because you were on a plane coming back from Mallorca. So your your take on the game first will be the most important. Yeah, well, it's not quite as glamorous as it sounds. I was on the tarmac at London Luton. So um, are you going to? Which, by the way, London is not Luton, is it? Let's are you it. coming home? To coming Luton? home. Oh, yeah, I see. Okay. Yeah. I, I was I was abroad for the West Ham game, and so the distance made it all nicer. And uh, and then I was on the on the tarmac when we landed for the. Uh, for the Palace game. And it, the, the game had ended or was still going on when no, you No, it, it was about a quarter of the way through. So, yeah, I was kind of uh, oh, okay. know, swiping down as we uh, headed towards the terminal. Yeah, it is hard because it's funny. You get so used to watching games. If you're not there, then you feel that at least you're watching on telly. It's quite rare that you feel you've got to watch a game via the internet. Because nowadays, I guess, what, Twitter? Is that, is that your default if you're not there, Chaz? Yeah, um, well, I tend to follow it on Twitter. I, I never watch feeds, but if I did, it would be annoying how Twitter is always ahead of the feed. Um, yeah, you have to, I think, switch off Twitter. If you want to commit to a, a feed on the internet. Yeah. I watch it on my phone a bit, which is actually the hardest one because then you don't want to close the app to go and tweet some wise-ass comment. Well, well, this is why you need two two phones, which is something you have, Ollie Shorts, as we found out today, because you, you were late because of apparently you left the address on your work phone. Um, you watched until the hour, so let, let's talk about the game. Olivier Giroud has been much talked about, much maligned at points by certain Arsenal fans, saying he's not good enough, we can't win the title with Olivier Giroud. But what a goal to kind of remember, to remind us all, sorry, that you know he's still got some serious talent there. Yeah, I mean, I think he's probably the best of the rest, and it's about trying to find that player. The best as of the rest in what in what respect? Do you mean? I think he's the probably if you look at your Barcelonas and Bayern Munichs and Chelsea. Right. So if we stick to our grade analogies, he's not a star, but he's a. Yeah, that's what we're saying. Okay. Well, we like to call it what well, Jose likes to call it second class egg, um, and the rest are first class eggs. So yeah, your analogy is probably about right. But yeah, I mean, for me, he's he's a good player, and I think Wenger's looking for. That, that player of who can offer something a little bit more than Olivier Giroud. But saying that, he had a great season last year, um, scored a lot of goals, especially he was out for three months, and he's come back and what a terrific um, first goal to start the campaign. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll talk later in the podcast about possible um, additions to the squad up front. Uh, obviously, Benzema and Cavani, the, t- the two maybe we'll come to. But Jim, Giroud for you... Um, there was talk before the game about would Walcott come back into the side because I think on the opening day of the season before we did the podcast about the West Ham game I said I thought Giroud would play and everyone else in the, in the pod particularly Boyd said no 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 of course Theo's got to play he's got to carry on from the cup final from the Community Shield victory but again I, I wanted Giroud to start the game and I, I was really glad he did yeah well I think he'll probably start quite a lot of the away games um because uh, a lot of the work he does is, is off the ball and, and holding up, and that you know, I, I think he gets bad press. I think obviously the goal proved that he's technically, you know, when he's excellent, he's excellent. Okay, sometimes it doesn't come off, but um, I think he does a lot of really tireless work off the ball as well, and, and with the ball at his feet, you know, with his back to goal. So um, those kind of games he seems ideally suited for, and, and uh, you know, if he can get twenty goals a year, which he can, I think I think that's about all you can expect from a kind of striker like Giroud. So I want to put the question to you, boy. I agree with the 20 goal. I think he is capable of it. But we, we did an event with work yesterday where um, Paul Merson was there, along with my business partner, Perry. And Paul was absolutely adamant. He said, whoever plays up front for Arsenal, forget it, okay, we'll get 20 goals because of the way we play. So we can't just go, OK, he scored goals. Go, what else does he contribute? Uh, and I think that is the, the stick that he's beating with. Is there enough there that... Gen- that makes it worthwhile for him to be our front line striker, our, f- our first choice striker on the pitch at the moment. 
there's just tons of Giroux's out there. You know, if we're looking at the transfer <clears throat> window, there's so many Giroux's out there. There's not many uh, of the A stars if we're going to really stretch this uh, grade thing out. And um, I think we should. I think we should continue it. Yeah. For this what will be an A star podcast. <laughs> but what is amazing is how Giroux the level of criticism he gets against you know versus other players. You know, Podolski became this sort of by a lot of people this sort of idolised. Um, player, you know, when he wasn't playing, it was like, oh, Podolsky would be the answer to all of our sort of problems. And, you know, he clearly, if you look at his career since he left, the, the problems that Wenger identified him were clear. Welbeck last year, I think, had a, there was a case for making, giving him far more jip than um, Giroud got. But, of course, Welbeck was seen as, you know, a bit of a hero of the season. Obviously, he missed a bit as well. Uh, whereas his time up front, Welbeck's time coincided with our shit period, and Giroud's time up front coincided until the end when yep. he seemed to freak out after Henri criticise him. Giroud's period up front uh, coincided roughly with all of our best um, results. So I do think that Giroud gets a lot of stick. I actually think, you know, I hate to be sort of flippant or or frankly girly about it, but I actually think if he was ugly, he'd get taken a lot more seriously. I think the fact that when you look at him, it is like the first time you heard the Beatles when you look at his face and when you look at his posture. And he gets so much stick because of that, because people just think that he's a good-looking French ponce, and they don't think that a striker should be a good-looking French ponce. I think all footballers should be good-looking French ponces, but that's a different matter. But um, I do think he'd get taken a lot more seriously if he was um, hideously ugly. Uh, which could be arranged by some. Do you think it works the other way? Like people that overly ugly in some people's yeah. eyes get taken like they are going to be better footballers. Like then. Diego Costa. Oh yeah, no. I mean that is like the first time you heard like Bucks Fizz, isn't it? You know. Sorry, that's a very old reference. Jim will get it. I, I um, nodded. They, uh, <laughs> there was not a nod of approval from Jim. But I do see the point about you know Merson's point because you know when you've got Özil behind you, that should be any centre forward's absolute dream. dream. Yeah. You know, like Peter Beardsley, he's not quite the same as Peter Beers. Peter Beersley used to make every striker he played with ten times better. And I wonder, I'd love to know what goes on in Ozil's mind when he sees Giroud up front. I mean, I think that's a bit harsh. I think mm. Paul Merson's wrong. I think you look at a lot of strikers that we've had in the past and that we've tried, and it hasn't really worked. I mean, for me, Welbeck didn't have a very successful season last year and he had you know loads of opportunities and if you can't put the ball in the back of the net then it doesn't matter how many magical passes Ozil does you know you have to be a good striker to put the ball in the back of the net and Giroud for me as I say he's not a star as we've said you know he's he's very good I think we need to find someone better than him um, but at the, at the moment he, he's fine and I just think yeah if Ozil can play the balls, great, but you need to put the ball in the back of the net. OK, well, let's move on from uh, what was a, obviously a great Giroud goal. The, the goal we conceded wasn't great, Jim. I assume you had a, a chance to see it, certainly back. Because mm-hmm. Shelney was getting an awful lot of stick um, immediately, sort of in the ground. I thought he didn't really do enough to close down. And then, as, as all fans seem to do at the moment, we go to our phones to see if what we thought happened is being agreed by the, the Arsenal Twitterati out there. And it seemed to be the case. You know, it just wasn't it wasn't out there as quick as it should be. Yeah, he he wasn't. And then I don't know. I I I also wonder whether Czech got down a bit late as well. And I know maybe it's not, you know, the, the done thing to criticise this early. And actually, that's probably another point altogether. I think we are criticising really really early in the season here. You know, after one two games, and and there's a lot of bedding down to do. And I think that's a lot to do with what's happening here because Koscielny ordinarily is has been an excellent defender for us for for years. And um, and so, yes, he hasn't maybe started as well as he could have, but at the same time, um, history tells us that he's a very, very good defender. And once once we've bedded down and got into 
the into the flow of the season you know hopefully those kind of things won't 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 occur again or not so not so often anyway yeah it doesn't feel necessarily at the moment if you look at that bench with with only really Gabriel that there's as much pressure to to take him out of the side but I, I guess if the if it slips too far then then Gabriel will get his opportunity you'll have to think at some point Chaz yeah, and presumably he'll get rated very highly when you look at his face. But um, <laughs> no, I think I, I, I like Koscielny a lot as well. And I think actually um, that, you know, absolute... I mean, you probably, some people listening to this heard that, read the Adrian Durham, latest Adrian Durham article in the Mail. And even when you look at it, it's a man from Talk Sport writing for the Daily Mail. You know, the level of idiocy. He's got idiots, be an idiot, shouted in two ears. You know, Talk Sport shouting beer twat and Daily Mail is shouting beer prat. And he manages to even exceed that. And he did this ridiculous rant about Ozil at Palace, which a lot of people have read and it's been discussed widely on Twitter. But one point he did make, because he's clearly a very clever man, Adrian Durham, he's playing a part. Uh, I think he's, to wind those, all those he's people playing up, a role. Clever, yeah. He's playing a role all the time. But one point that I think he did make uh, was about BFG and he was saying how Mertesack has sort of very likeable nature which is, you know, he's just such a likeable, admirable guy, perhaps has blinded us to things about him. And I think that Koscielny at times over the last two or three years has received insufficient praise when he's played generally far better than Ern Per has. Fair enough. Well, listen, one of the uh, big talking points, Oli, was the Coquelin, in that he invariably really should have been sent off, I think. Um, I mean, you could, you could make the argument it was a... A, a possible yellow but I think hand on heart he, he should have gone and I think if he did get sent off at that moment in the game I couldn't have seen us going on to win the game as it was Crystal Palace obviously hit the post there's an argument we were slightly lucky to get away with the victory and it, and then the Arsenal fans start going on about well if you know if Coquelin had been sent off is it Arteta that's got to come into the team that's such a big hole so it seems like fortune favoured us in a way on Sunday oh you know obviously I think nine times out of ten he probably would have been sent off mm. the pitch um, and obviously we were fortunate enough that the referee thought differently or maybe he had a little whisper in his ear from the fourth official because the first one I don't think was a yellow card so I don't no one will really know how the game's going to pan out but I mean I always think that we actually play quite well when we are down to ten men and I don't think there's many times where we actually do lose a game um, having gone down to ten men so I, I don't think I wouldn't be so Worried if that was to happen, especially with the two-one lead. But I mean, you know, we are going to you know Crystal Palace. They are. We wouldn't have had a two-one lead at the time. He should have got sent off. I think in the end of the first half. Was it just at the end of the first half? I think he uh, did that second shove. He could have gone. I, I mean, it potentially. But I mean, I look at Arsenal and I always say, think to myself, even if we are down to ten men, you know, away to Crystal Palace, then we still can go and win that game. But they played well Palace and you've got to give them credit but also at the same time we did well after you know such a great 30 minutes to to bounce back from what was a, a poor goal um, but a great strike by Ward to, to win the game and, and to hold it off you know they did hit the post but we're at the early stage of the season we've got to ride our luck a little bit you know you look at West Ham beating us 2-0 and then you know next week you know playing at home to Leicester and, and losing 2-1 you know you, you do get these things um, against you and for you um, and we just got to be fortunate um, that the ref didn't see fit to send him off yeah absolutely well uh, a key win uh, definitely for Arsenal I just, w- I just want to go back a bit to May because I haven't seen either Chaz or Jim really since the FA Cup final victory and I remember Chaz you were, you were going to tell me a story I think right. you met someone on Cup final day yes well I spent the whole week um, an absolute uh, neurotic uh, for a goy I worry a hell of a lot and um, I spent the whole week worrying about anything that could go wrong that would make me miss the, uh, miss the match because I had my ticket, like you know, will the will I 
oversleep and wake up at 7pm on Saturday and go, fuck, I missed the match. I spent all- The one thing I didn't worry about was that, uh, you know, they had the scarves on every seat. Yes. Um, uh, would be that mine wouldn't be there when I got there. I got there sarcastically early, see above. I'm a, a worrier. So I got there really How early. How early were you like the first in? In my block, I was one of the first people in, yeah. And my fucking scarf had gone and I was so annoyed. So I thought, well, I'll just take one from the seat in front. And if a little kid comes... I'll go, oh, I was just looking after your scarf for you, actually, which would have looked really dodgy, but I would have given him his scarf back. If so, I don't say you got into the stadium pretty much first. Yeah, and someone, someone had taken mine. Well, just See? yours. Why always me? And, um, Why always you? <laughs> I'm going to stop all these. Yours was it? Your, yours was the only one? Yeah, pretty Not much. like the whole yeah, row? No, or? I looked around to check that I was being picked on because I always do that. Am I being picked on here? Yes, Gosh, I am. Okay. Good. Again, tut. But anyway. I, so I thought I'd take one from the seat in front yeah. and if some drunken orangutan appears uh, then I'm not going to give it back if it's some little kid who looks really upset I'll give it back it was Clive Anderson and um, I loved Clive Anderson when I grew up you know his, when he, him and the Bee Gees had that row that wow. was like the best TV ever and he turned up and I was like oh god this is awkward and I heard him say to presumably his son or his nephew or something um, oh someone's taken my scarf and I thought I was too scared to give it back and then he asked the guy in front of him could I have you got a spare scarf could I have it and the guy gave it to him so I thought like, alright we're all good then the guy in front of him inexplicably asked for it back five minutes later said actually no second thoughts can I have it back well he had the audacity to to give it but then ask for it back yeah he asked it back he said no I've changed my mind can I have it back so at this point did you then no no by this point I was absolutely terrified and I thought I bet if he looks at me did you have time to enjoy the 4-0 victory this was all prior to the match but then no because the second was it all happened before the game yeah and the second thing happened during the match um Clive Anderson's label at the back of his shirt was sticking up and I couldn't concentrate on the match it was really bugging me and I wanted to tuck it in and I wanted to say Clive could you tuck your thing in not a new label as in the existing not like a price label no no yeah just a sort of a you know size and washing description type label was sticking out the back up his neck and I was like I can't stop looking at this I got obsessed with it so you missed the goals when Walcott scored I tucked it in (laughs) In oh in the celebration and then tucked it in you can get away with anything there and then at the end I saw he picked up a an abandoned scarf as he was leaving so everyone was, was good wow that's yeah, a I mean, sensational you, anecdote no no uh, Clive Anson celebrity Arsenal. we should get him on the podcast at some point I think mm. we'll have to if you, if you know we should do a, a a Facebook what would be the hashtag if we were seeking Clive Anson do you think um, do you think of something appropriate if you, listeners if you can help us track down Clive Anson if anyone yeah. knows how to get in touch with him does he have oh, he must have an agent still I he assume and I'll bring the I'll bring the scarf. I've still got you it. I'll can, bring him his reunite scarf. him with his actual original scarf. <laughs> I mean, that he should have the had. thing is though, what do you actually? Like, I've got this scarf, obviously, at the game. I will n- most likely never see it again. It what will do just, you mean? I'll just put it away, and I will. You I will might as well give it to Chaz, and then Chaz. Can but get I will never touch it. And I've got my. <laughs> I've still got my Dennis Burkham t-shirts. I've just got Champions League final t-shirts, even though I wasn't there. What? Yeah, um, I was going to say. It, yeah, my there. dad gave it to me. Yeah. Um, and I've got all the. You know, the the last game at Highbury wasn't there. Obviously, dad gave it to me. But what what do I do? What do you, what happens with these things? I don't never. I never see them ever again. Well, that sounds like a misery awesome guy, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely legend. I think we'll give away yours on a competition. For the pod, Jim, you also at the cup final, presumably. I was, yeah, yeah. You got your scarf. I did get my scarf. Yeah, I yeah. got my. I'm not, I'm not aware of anyone who didn't get their scarf, and I, um, I feel for you. But I'm glad, I'm glad it's since been resolved. Cup final day, brief memory. You, I mean, just an amazing day. Oh, it was an amazing day. I, I always, I mean, I, I, I love the FA Cup final. Always have done. Um, and uh, I won't hear anything bad said against it. The atmosphere throughout the day is just very hard to yeah. explain, very hard to beat, and uh, obviously the way we played. Um, made it all the more special. So, yep, yeah, great day out. 
It was. It was. Uh, it was great. And uh, you know, when when you do get you know three months later defeats at home to West Ham on the opening day of the season, just it's good to remember the uh, the glory days from from a few months back. One of the things I wanted to pick up on was briefly mentioned it was Peter Chip because you, you said Jim you, it's almost like when, when one of your mates comes with their girlfriend for the first time to meet the group of mates you, 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 there's goodwill you, you want her to do well you want her to fit in and make nice conversation and everyone to get on but if it goes on too long then you might have to say something and at, at what point are we going to have to say something about Peter Chip if this goes on that he doesn't look you know as, as strong and secure on the three or four games but I think we're, again, I, think I like it Chaz like the analogy for a start I think. I think, to, I think overall we're judging way too fast. I mean, okay. and it's, it's a classic thing now where we do it like, we, you know, is the defense shit? Uh, is the, is the, and we're talking after one game, right? And then, and, and, and maybe it's even two games. It's just too early to say the bloke has got to get used to the players in front of him. The players in front of him got to get used to him. Having said that, it's not been the most <laughs> auspicious of starts. He looks very comfortable around Per Metasaka. That's what you have yeah. to say. There's a, there's a serious bromance that Chaz, have you know, you've noted? I have, yeah. And it's weird because he was so good in, um, in pre season. Oh. It was when we came, when he came up against a team that genuinely gave a toss. That's when things yeah. started going wrong. Yeah, that's the problem with football. Occasionally, you have to play other teams that want to win. <laughs> the thing is with with Czech and Jim says we can't judge after two matches. Well, we've watched him for ten years at Chelsea, yeah. um, so I actually think we can judge after two matches. And I'm a little bit concerned I thought he'd be the the, the player that, that we, we well we do need a goalkeeper I mean obviously we can't necessarily say after two matches he's a complete failure but if he carries on um then I will be very concerned. I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, I, I raised this slightly devil's advocate, but I, I didn't really believe it. I think the, the guy is clearly absolute quality. I absolutely watching agree with you as well. The, watching him from the away end on Sunday, he's just such an imposing figure. I, I, I've got to be with Chaz and, and Jim on this. When, when he gets settled... Don't get me wrong, I, d- I think he will be superb, but mm. we, I think we absolutely have a right to judge him after two matches. I don't think the okay. war goal was, was his fault, but, I mean, those West Ham goals... So bad. Would you? I, mean, I wonder, a Penny for like, Ospina's thoughts because he had this weird say when he's coming to the club, number two behind Chesney. He's he's ousted Chesney in the, the last nineteen league games of the season. Arsenal let in thirteen goals, and much as there was like one or two moments like that, like Gomez header when we played Swansea. Ultimately, you know, did did pretty well. And now he's just back on our bench, and there just doesn't seem to be a way back. You assume he'll be given a game in the League Cup. Maybe a Champions well, if League group carries game. on the way he's playing, then there will be a way back. But, but I think that kind of proves the point as well that when the defence is playing well, which it was, yes. then the goalie has a much easier time, Absolutely. and, and um, the defence is clearly a bit rickety as well. So, you know, I, I, I still think there's plenty of time. Yeah, I'm not sure how much how tested a Spina was during that time. Looking back, I can't remember him being hugely tested. But having said that, in, um, you know, giving assurance to the players in front of you is, of course, part of a keeper's role. And I kind of hoped that he was going to be a Schmeichel. I sort of started the season, I was ready to sort of write a piece arguing he should be made club captain because of, you know, because the players all seem to look up to him. And when he walked down to our end at the Emirates Cup, it's the first time I saw him in an Arsenal shirt and he walked down for the second half. I thought, he looked so reassuring. If he'd have come up to our end and gone, by the way, guys, there's going to be a nuclear war tomorrow, but we should be OK, I'd have believed him. <laughs> I'd have absolutely believed him. That's how reassuring he is. A week later or two weeks later against West Ham, you're sitting there thinking, is there any way we can get Chesney back? Which is always a bad sign. Yeah. No, I think it's a blip. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's one game um, and the West Ham game full stop was a blip from the goalkeeper all the way to Giroud up front nobody played well and I just think we just got to look at it and just say right 
it was a shit game. We move on. Crystal Palace, we win. Great. Mm. Okay, well, uh, we'll draw a line under that. I mean, the thing about Ospina being a potential captain was is he would currently fit into the mould of us having captains that don't actually play in the <laughs> Thomas Vermeulen and Mikel Arteta mould of of Arsenal captaincy, where you go up and when we you know lifted the FA Cup or win the Community Shield, Wenger has to sort of nominate someone <laughs> at the last moment who's who's going to lift the trophy. I did mean Czech as captain. Just uh, sorry oh, to did be you? yeah, just okay, before I, I get called, uh, hammered on Twitter. <laughs> oh, okay, no, no, okay, I, okay, that makes sense. But no, that's my, but then no, that's he, my... he, he played. So yeah. that would be a, a change of yeah. a change of policy yes. at the helm of Arsenal Football Club. And also, we should mention Martinez has gone out on loan, hasn't he? Had an absolute Martinez. shocker last night. Did he for Wolves? For oh, they were shocker. two 0 up and uh, lost to three two to QPR. For, I would say two of the three QPR goals. Right, okay. It's good. So, I didn't expect you to be the Wolves update here, but you've surprised <laughs> us. Who, who, I've turned I mean, up ten minutes late, but you've come uh, with Wolves information. <laughs> absolutely, um, yeah, absolute shocker. So don't bring him back anytime soon. Well, he was. Who is our third choice then, technically at the club at the moment? Because obviously Chesney's out at Roma, Martinez out at Wolves. Who's who's technically number five, but having to be number three at the moment if there was an injury crisis. No answer. Silent. No, no, there is, a, there, is, there is an English bloke or an English-sounding Macy? bloke. Yeah, but Matt Macy. Yeah, Matt Macy. Line, but yeah, Matt Macy. yeah, very tall. Make Re- him captain. Okay, thanks for that. You got you got less information on Matt Macy. Mate, but loads know, on Wolves. He's How like was Wolves' defensive line last night? The uh, Wolves' defensive line. I can't, all I can tell you is shocking goalkeeping. All right. Well, appreciate that. Well, let, let's move on because the one that won't go away and is in the papers every, every day. Although it worries me, it seems Rodney Marsh is the main <laughs> person behind this, which is, seems peculiar for a man I believe living in America <laughs> is being the one. Which can you English imagine? Newspapers are no. centering around Arsenal's potentially biggest ever transfer. What's, what? what What's his source? Someone called him up, like someone from Madrid, and been like, "Rodney, I've got something to tell you. No. Forty-eight million. <laughs> it's, it's been accepted, and you're the only one." I'm told. <laughs> I would say that it's not impossible, in the sense that even at the, I, I, I don't have connections at the very top of English football. And I wouldn't claim I do, but what you do get is people involved in football who want other people to know that they're in the know. And I think you do get this case where people want to let things out for a reason, either because they want it to be in the press, they want it to get out. If there's enough press and enough momentum behind things, sometimes things get out. Ronnie Marsh, he doesn't have a major reason to come out with this unless he believes the person who's said it to him. If the person who said it to him has said it because he knows Rodney will get it out because he's told him a lot of true things in the past, I don't know, it feels like you could argue this whatever way you want, but... Jim, is there any hope? Is is Karen Benzema, who we've been talking about, it feels for like years and years and years, who we would love. It would be a great addition to Arsenal Football Club. I, I don't know if you agree. Do you think there's any chances coming? I, I, I don't. I mean, like anybody, I don't really know. I, I think it strikes me as it one of the, it's one of those signings that if it were to happen, it, it would have to have all of the stars in the universe aligned at exactly the right time and in the right place. And by which I mean certain other transfers would have to take place, this, that and the other, and, and, and then maybe. But it feels to me like a long shot and, and not one to hold your breath over, to be honest. I, look, I looked at the betting today and it still had him as odds on to remain at Real Madrid, almost certainly at the one I looked on. On Skybet, so it seems that it's it's less likely than it is likely, Chaz. But it doesn't seem to be going away, and I, I, it's difficult to know what to believe because in this day and age of of Twitter and of so much importance on on football websites being driven by traffic. It's the busiest time of the year for football websites in terms of transfer window, rumours, everything that goes through news now onto a website. If you put in the word summer transfer activity. So people, I think, are put in positions in, in even quite serious publications to write transfer stories. 
but it doesn't seem to go away. We, it doesn't seem we're moving on to someone else. But I, no, I, I don't true. know. Maybe I, I'm just too hopeful, too optimistic. I struggle a bit to get the Real Madrid uh, motive for selling him. That's the one that, you know, that's the one that, that you can make a case for it, but I struggle in that instance to think, hmm, why would they do it? Uh, but having said that, you could say that of Barcelona with, with Alexis to a degree, uh, but he was, of course, uh, subservient to bigger stars. But I do want to talk about In the Nose. I'm not saying Rodney Marsh is an In the Nose. Right. In the Nose, a very love-hate relationship. The Twitter on In the Nose. Just because, your because bog standards. Case, we say, we, you've got, like, 20,000 followers. So, yeah, something like that. Does that yeah. give you... I mean, that gives you a bit of... I'm, you could become an In the Know. How do you is, become? Is there a, but can you do tempting. a GCSE in becoming In the Know? But these are like grown adults doing it. But who I loved was Wayne Gooney. Do you remember two summers ago, Wayne, Wayne Gooney? Wayne Vasey. No, no, Wayne Gooney. There was, a, there was an account made. I'm sure some people Wayne will remember this. Gooney. Wayne Gooney. <laughs> I'm going like, to look it up right now, did, live. He was an absolute legend. He was the biggest liar in the history of lying. He said at the end of the... Uh, the season prior to when we won the FA Cup against Hull. So that summer, the summer we got Ozil, the beginning of that close season, he started a Twitter account and a blog that said Fabregas and Rooney to Arsenal were both done deals, but that they couldn't announce it yet. And he developed this absolutely colossal Twitter following. And the guy was just lying. Oh, he deactivated a while ago. There were some impersonating accounts on it. But this guy was just lying all summer because, of course, people were saying, if Cesc to back to Arsenal is done... Why is he playing in a Barcelona friendly today? And he'd say, I can't explain that, but I'll explain that at 4.20 on Thursday. And people were going with this, and it was absolute bullshit. And I ended up DMing with him. He was obviously a Tottenham fan, just thinking, I'm going to ruin Arsenal fans. But the thing is, anyone can say this. And the the wonderful thing about Twitter is people just latch onto it because they want to believe it. And, and I think there's something... I mean, the Benzema deal was spoken about at the same time that we, we signed Ozil. And I think no-one actually mentioned Ozil. And it was Benzema, yeah. and I think it was maybe Di Maria or Kadira. Um, and we... I mean, we've... I, I'm sure we've made a bid and we've inquired about Benzema and whether something happens is down to Arsene Wenger and Arsenal. Yeah, Yanaga Fjortov. Sorry, John, but Yanaga Fjortov is The said, former Middlesbrough striker. Yeah, and he, but he's, uh, I would believe him ahead of Rodney Marsh. And he's saying <laughs> that how he put it was Benzema is at the table, the yeah, transfer so. table. Wenger's at the table, but he hasn't said I'm all in yet. There's no cutlery. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but what they They're in do, the restaurant, <laughs> You know, it used to be funny, like transfer deadline day on Sky Sports. It used to be funny, like because of all the um, fans pissing about. The and now, dildo. Yeah, yes. they dildo do, don't they do? Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, so That's amazing, isn't it? Little people go, what do you remember? I tried this on a window <laughs> on Sky. Yeah, and so they now move the reporters away from fans, right? So it's boring now, and also there aren't that many big fans. I miss those Stoke supporters. Yeah, yeah. Here's how to make it funny again, right? They okay. should doorstep at 10 p.m. all of the in the nose, the Twitter in the nose, who bullshitted all summer. They should get Michael Crick, drag Roger Cook out of retirement. Um, uh, Jeremy Kyle, people like that, they should doorstep them because these are all going to be guys in their early 20s who like live in their mum's houses and they'll all be sitting there in their dressing gowns, knock on their door and go, what do you say? You said Benzema to Arsenal was a done deal in June. He hasn't come. What do you say to the nation? Unmask them all. That's what they should do. Right. A public hanging almost. I'm, I'm up for that, yeah. Yeah, I'll go. I mean, it's funny. But, it's yeah. still these followers. It's incredible. Um, in terms of the potential for for Benzema to come, it, it, it suggests to us as fans that we've got the potential to do it in the sense that when we signed Meza Ozil, it was so last minute as well. It was a summer because a bail had to go for Spurs. 
and we've got experience in dealing with Real Madrid and playing hardball and making sure the deal was done even at the supposed 11th hour. So maybe that's another reason that I want to desperately hang on to, to the belief. But if it, if it came to Cavani or Benzema, do you have a preference? Do you, do you feel that one of them would notice it? Because the money seems quite different in what's being reported, if we can believe it. Ian Abrahams, the moose on, on Talk Sport, was saying we're definitely in Cavani, Benzema's definitely not going, and yet you've got people like Fjortoft, um you know, and Rodney Marsh going the other way. So who to believe? But if you if you could pick one, Jim, who, who are you bringing to the club? Uh, Benzema, definitely, no no doubt about it. And uh, you, you, it doesn't really matter who who he'd use up. You just get someone like that in if you can. But um, you know, we are slightly a rung below on the on the whole transfer thing. Even though our spending power's gone up and uh, and we we're certainly able to do better deals than we used to. I still think we can't. We're still slightly behoven to some of the other clubs and what they do first. So yeah. Well, look, I, I just cannot believe that in you know in 12 days' time or whatever it is that all we have done since winning the FA Cup is sign a goalkeeper that, that Chelsea didn't need or want. I just refuse to believe that whoever, you know, whether it's Wenger, everyone else around him at the club, they're going to allow that to be the case, that we are going into this I'll season. I'll ask the question, if the transfer uh, window shut before the West Ham game, would you just be happy with, this, with that one signing? Because I actually, I have no issues with our transfer window so far because if we can't go and get the striker that we want we, I don't think we need a defender I don't think we need a midfielder maybe Coquelin a replacement for him but Wenger clearly has put his faith in him well, I'll put this like, to who, you. Who, who, who else? I'll put, put it to you that still our defenders if you compare them to let's sit with Chelsea who have had obviously a disappointing start to the season maybe we'll come to that in a minute but I would I would still take Ivanovic and Azpilicueta over our, our full backs would you? yeah yeah, I would. Why? Who are you gonna? Who are you gonna? I wouldn't promote take. Him? I wouldn't take uh, Ivanovic over, over Bellerin. No, no. I think Ivanovic is such a rock, such a unit. You could play at centre back, just defensively does pop up with a you know the headed goals up front. I mean, Bellerin, I think brilliant. But I, look, it's a, it's a thing. I, mean, I, I love head to Bellerin, but I would I would take both of them. Uh, John Terry, obviously, you know, got hauled off at half time the other day, but I would put him you know at least ahead of Mertesacker and that's why when I think if you're comparing us to our squad to Man City's I still feel we've got a lovely squad and in midfield we've got riches all over the place when it comes to those 11 on the pitch I was you know they've still got like companies they've got you know better goalkeeper possibly in heart I, I don't know I still just can't feel that our team is good enough quite to win the title I desperately wish it was I, feel, I still think we're short I can't I, agree with Ollie I, th- I, I was quite happy with it and, until recently and then the trouble is you see all this spending going on and you get a bit seduced by it and you think is that the only way to actually do it and I'm not and it's easy to get seduced by that and I'm not sure because I, I think the squad is good I'm not saying it's I mean, I think it needs to move forward. I think you need to always keep adding players, uh, you know, irrespective of how good your squad is, because that's how momentum is kept up. So on that on that level, maybe we do need one sort of big signing just to kind of um, to, to do it that way. But at the same time. With Arsenal, I've often thought that it's not so much about the personnel, certainly in the last year or two, and more about the mindset. And I think the West Ham game proves that, is that we're still capable, um, despite great personnel, of doing these really annoying things. Um, and uh, if we can iron that out, then you, know, you never know. But it is easy to get seduced by the 50 million, 40 million, 30 million stuff going on. You're right, spending money doesn't necessarily bring success and we've probably all got Tottenham supporting friends who, who can tell us about that. You know, with Lamella at 30 million, they still can't quite fit him in their team or to have a real positive impact on their squad. But but Chaz, I mean, what were your thoughts there on what, on what Jim was saying? Yeah, well, I do agree to an extent. Um, and when you look back to some of Wenger's finest hours, they came following summers where he hadn't done much. He didn't do much before the Invincible year. Well, Lehman, However, that was the analogy, yeah, wasn't it? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. However, 
he, of course, we were dealing with a squad that had won the double two years or one or two years previously. Um, so it was a different situation. But I remember when we needed, we went into that season with Sol Keown, who was very old at that time, and Pascal Segan as our centre back. I mean, you imagine if Twitter had existed then, as sort of the kicking off would have gone. But what he did was he, he changed Toure uh, into a centre back at the beginning of the season, almost on a whim. Um, and he didn't buy someone. And I often think, if you look back at many eras um, when Twitter didn't exist, what people would have been saying at that stage, you know, they would have been going into that season saying, Wenger, Wenger out, Wenger is negligent, he hasn't done it, and we wouldn't have had the Invincibles yet. We talk about the Invincibles then, it's probably a good um, throwback to last week's pod, of course, with Lauren. And, and I must say, the, the feedback we got on Twitter and on Facebook, and even you know people I guess I personally know who listen to the podcast, was great. And, uh, and a big thanks to him for coming in, because, as you know, we, we all do this with a love for free, and Lauren threw up his time, was, was really appreciated, and I thought it was fantastic. Um, and hopefully you know, we'll, we'll get some, you know, some impressive guests throughout the season. I think let's move on, look forward, because Monday night, I love a Monday night game. Something about it that you, that you just love. You know, last weekend was funny because we had basically Friday night with United Villa all the way through to Monday night with Liverpool-Bournemouth. And we're the Monday night game. It's Liverpool-Arsenal-Liverpool, one of my favourite fixtures at home. Not one of my favourite fixtures when the only tickets I could get at the last minute were the £90 ones. Like, <gasps> Shock horror. Well, I, it started at 64, so you know, I know they go up to 120, but 90 quid to see Arsenal on a Monday night. You can't night. complain about that. I've got tickets to the Ashes, they cost me 75 quid. So. You get eight hours. Let's not do the whole ticket thing. We know Arsenal's prices <laughs> are not the cheapest around. Monday night, Liverpool. Chaz, are you making any changes, do you think, to the team that, that won at Crystal Palace? Oh, it's a very good question. I, I mean, personally, I absolutely despise Liverpool, so in that sense, it is my favourite match of the season. Why do you despise them? I just... They're fans, to be honest with you. They're just such vile people. They really no, are. They're, they're not yeah, they're vile. Such vindictive. Vile's a strong word. They're such vindictive and vile and self-righteous. Can you make people. it clear you don't speak on behalf of footballists no, no, with your views? No, no, speak on behalf of me. Okay. No, Disclaimer here. <laughs> no, I, I know uh, I know Kelvin McKenzie. Trust me, I've had Twitter uh, onslaughts from Liverpool fans, so I can take them. Um, so... Um, would I make a change? Um, I don't know. I, I feel like um, he's got so many, and it's often spoken about, we've got so many of these sort of nippy attacking midfielders slash forwards slash wingers, and I just feel like he's trying to get them all into the team at once. Mm. And well, uh, this maybe with Ramsey, people were saying, yeah. that it felt like he's been whatever. It feels like Wenger needs to find a place for him, even when it's not a natural one. Mm. And is that the right approach? Yeah, no, I... I, I I don't get Ramsey so far this season and I know some people have written some quite intelligent uh, defences of his sort of role this season but I just don't quite get it um, I don't like the flicks I don't like the fact that he never saw as sort of an overly um, elaborate move that he didn't want to try out that he doesn't do the ordinary enough um, so maybe yeah maybe he could have a rest OK Ox- would Oxley chamberlain be the natural replacement for you Jim or you'd, you'd stick with Ramsey and that team on Monday night? Oh, well, there's also Walcott, which is a slightly weird one because if he's not, if he doesn't it play again on Walcott Monday, game. I if, agree. If he doesn't play on Monday, then he won't have started. Um, I, don't, I don't think he'll start any of the games, will he? And uh, he's just signed a new contract, so I find that a bit weird, to be honest. But um, it could be a game for Walcott. It could be a game for Walcott. Actually. Ollie, is this a Theo or is this an Olivier Giroud game? I think it's an unchanged eleven, in my opinion. Unchanged eleven for you? Yeah, that definitely. I think that team against Crystal Palace is probably our strongest eleven. I don't think there's anything that I would change. I feel Oxlade might come into the team in, in some guys. I feel he, he's looked live when he's come on. I don't quite know how because I, I think he wants Ramsey in that team, but I'm not sure there's a 
There's definitely not a rollout wide at the minute, is there? I mean, definitely not. But I actually think that Ramsey on. I mean, it's not an out and out wide roll, and you know, you you do see him always, always coming to the middle, um, and he's he's kind of all over, not all over the place as a footballer, but he's all over the pitch. Um, and I, I think Ramsey and, and the, the midfield, along with um, Ozil and Sanchez, it does work. Um, and it does actually benefit Ramsey um, as a footballer as well. He runs his socks off, and I think we need players Not like as that. a person. It doesn't help him as a person. Just a footballer. <laughs> just a footballer. Okay. Just a, Nothing. Well, a, I mean, he, let's be honest. Okay. Ramsey as a person is... He's, he's lovely from what everyone says. He seems... Says. Oh, my God. He's so... Like, that, he's got such a monotone, doesn't he? Just, uh, no, I, I'm going to. His face is a bit like when you first hit heard Oasis. That would not be very quite positive. the beat. Yeah, no, it is. It is. But I'm saying I'm just trying to sort of place him in the ranking okay. of um, you know Giroud. All right. How long is uh, Danny Welbeck out for at the moment, Ollie? Do you think? I don't know. I don't he's out for a DRB. It's the famous three weeks. Can we also point out like we we talk about. Giroud earlier on like we do have Welbeck but I just don't think he's good enough so. still feels with, I've forgotten about Welbeck a little bit just at the start of the season having not been involved but it'll be fantastic when he's back um, a few other small things to say was uh, Mick McCarthy was absolutely lovely about um, Maitland-Niles who of course you remember it was his mother that had a punch up with Dick Law at the Arsenal <laughs> training ground I mean Chaz remembers that um, and he's obviously on loan at Ipswich and had a brilliant start to the season and Mick McCarthy was saying he's absolutely convinced he'll be a first team player for Arsenal which is exciting he was in our Champions League squad I remember he played I think in his one of those games his debut was against Galatasaray in that one where Ramsey scored that, that amazing goal is that right? Uh, absolutely I mean I, I don't does anyone have any idea really about him um, well he came on against Newcastle for his debut no, well look it, fantastic. look to go out we've sent out a lot of people on loan and it'll be great if you know we see a bit you know Coquelin eventually made it after all these loan moves I hope someone like Maitland Niles maybe I needs mean, a few for, less for me he's 17 years old and I think if he's getting loaned out at 17 and not playing in and around the Arsenal team then I always get a little bit worried I look at Seth Fabregas who was coming into the team and no playing. it's very rare Fabregas is very rare but that's that when you get that. the exceptional players coming into the team at develop. 17 or 18 not getting shipped out um, on loan I think no, Wilshire was 17 when he came into the Arsenal team but he did go out on loan to Bolton as did Chesney there's enough examples I think people develop physically a little bit different you might have to go and play some championship football we're drawing towards the end of the podcast and it's time to for me to remind you there's still time to join the footballistically Arsenal Dream Team League if you go to www.dreamteamfc.com register a team for free you can join our league by entering the pin number 83949300 and we're giving a signed shirt to a player picked out randomly and there'll be lots of prizes throughout the season um, in terms of the Dream Team the big news is that Boyd Hilton out of 74 people in the footballistically Arsenal podcast uh, league is absolutely bottom which is outrageous okay he was on minus one point after the first week he scored just three in week two and he's on two points the nearest person to him is on four and then he goes to ten I shouldn't be too proud although I am how many points am I ahead of Boyd I'm 22 points ahead of Boyd and yet I'm only 64th but um can I make a guess do come and join our league because you'll be about Boyd very quickly What's Can I make guess? a guess that Boyd's got Wal- Walcott in his team? Of course he's got Walcott in his team. He's probably, probably only got Walcott, yeah, Walcott in his team. in every position. Which, given that Walcott hasn't yet to play a game, it maybe means that he's down um, near the bottom. We also will need a prediction from all of you before we close. So, Oli, Arsenal against Liverpool Monday night. What is your score prediction? 3-1, Arsenal. 3-1, confident. Arsenal. Confident. Very confident. Jim, what are your thoughts on I, Monday I, night? I don't 100% think we've found our scoring boost yet, but, um, but I'm going to go for a 2-1 win 
2-1 win, a consecutive, second consecutive 2-1 win after our victory at Crystal Palace and, um, and Chaz. If I was putting money on it, I'd say one all. Obviously, I'd like um, 8-2 or something. 8-2 would be lovely. Yeah, Finally get that United to be our yeah, systems, yeah. I feel. Go on, like. Josh, what was... Uh, I think we'll win. I think we'll win 2-1. Um, and if you did want to put money on your 1-1 one, one draw, um, then you could do it with Labrooks, who we've teamed up with to bring you some exclusive betting odds and offers um, for this season. Ed, you can follow the link to be found on the description to this show, or you can find them on our Facebook and Twitter feed, and you get a free bet of up to £50 when you enter the promotion code LAD50. That is just about all we've got time for. Massive thank you to Ollie stepping in as the sidekick's sidekick this week. It's been great having Absolute you back. pleasure, Josh. Um, Chaz and Jim, I'm sure we'll see you again later in the season. And um, I'm sure Boyd will be back away from his showbiz duties. Our next podcast is due to be on Tuesday next week. Thursday. No, no. I know it says Thursday on the piece of paper in front of you, Ollie. But what? Boyd has another showbiz gig interviewing someone important. So he's asked that we do it Tuesday. And oh, of course, wow. I just fit around him because I don't have these A-list events to attend. So that is all from us. And uh, hopefully we'll be speaking to you after a victory against Liverpool. Have a good week. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.